0: front of a digital recorder alone in a room. I'm not used to addressing people when they're not in front of me, and yet I'm sitting here at Pat's lovely house in the country, looking out over a valley of skeleton trees with no leaves on them, and snow everywhere. In fact, I went for a walk first thing this morning with snowshoes and there's enough snow that an hour later I can't even see the tracks going out into the field anymore. So what I'd like to talk about is practice and why we practice and why we should stay motivated to practice and in some ways all I can do is offer some words of encouragement because you need to find in yourself in your own heart and in your body the faith that's required to keep going because this is sometimes a hard practice and sometimes when we sit down our body is filled with strong emotions and agitation and creative reasons why we should be doing anything other than sitting still and looking out the window at the snow and the trees. Sometimes quietude and silence is threatening because that part of us that loves telling stories over and over again doesn't know what to do with itself when it can't frame our experiences in each and every moment. So the path of this practice is really a path of love. A way to love whatever is showing up in our experience. A way to recognize our being and realizing that what we think we are is just changing nature every moment of our lives. Valuing who and what we are is a lot like seeing the moon in flowing water. Last night I went for a walk in town, and there was a river, and the moon was almost full. And there was the moon sparkling and expanding, contracting and then disappearing, and then cohering again in a reflection in the river. And in a way, the moon and the river is the self that we are. There's a Chinese story like this about a student who is ill with confusion. And so he asked the teacher how he can settle himself and wake up from this dis-ease. In a way, the student is already in good shape because the student is asking for help. I think sometimes when we're caught in confusion, um, we'll do anything but ask for help. We'll just go shopping And thinking, maybe shopping and thinking in some way is the same activity. Sometimes one of the ways we can ask for help is just to sit down, to sit down on our cushion in a room that's quiet, and to really look, to look into our heart, to look into the body, to look into the mind, and presence what's showing up without fixing, without controlling, without changing. Maybe today you're sitting and listening to these words and there's some conflict in your life that's unresolved. And sometimes it's helpful just to let go and to not give attention to unresolved conflicts or to the content of our emotions. There is a time to do that. But sometimes it's also good to give these conflicts and these situations we find ourselves in a break. You don't have to figure out an answer today. And so the path of meditation, the path of yoga, the path of love, is to recognize who and what we are and realize our changing nature just like looking at a moon in a river. And so this student goes to the teacher and asks how he can settle himself. The teacher tells the student to go into the world and to find anything in the world that is not medicine. Can you imagine going to someone, and this is their response, go into the world and find anything that is not medicine. Can you do this? Can you go into the forest? Can you go to the river? Can you go to the battlefield? Can you go to the downtown core? Can you walk Bathurst Street and find anything that is not medicine? Everything and anything can wake us up when we give it the proper attention. The student is walking around looking for anything that is not medicine. And when we're sleeping, we walk around trying to find medicine. Even our insatiable wants, even our desires, even our addictions, when we see them clearly without feeding them or acting out, become medicine. They got you on the cushion today. They brought you to this community. So much difficulty and also so much joy brings you to this moment. And all medicine can kill a person or bring a person to life. Desire and wanting, craving and clinging is the same way. Without the skill of letting mind settle, we can't enter desire. We can't enter the fire of wanting and transform it into medicine. Instead we deny ourselves, we forget how we're wealthy, we damp ourselves down, we fall asleep. What's the goal of this practice? What's wisdom other than being who you are? Freedom and love and wisdom are not separate from you. So the student comes back to the teacher and says, there's nothing that I can find in the world that is not medicine. And the teacher responds and says, then go get me something that is medicine. And immediately the student reaches down and picks up the first thing at hand. A blade of grass. Is there anything as simple as a blade of grass? Even when I look out into the snowy horizon outside the window here, looking north, through the foot or two of snow, I can still see areas where the snow is blown away and there is a blade of grass. Or we could even say a snowflake. Is there anything as simple as a snowflake? Maybe if I was this student looking for medicine, I would go outside in my loneliness, or in my sadness, or in my agitation, whatever was consuming me, and I could go find one snowflake. And given the right state of mind, that snowflake could be medicine. A blade of grass. Or Blake's grain of sand. Or Horton, who hears the who. His mote of dust. And in that mote of dust, a whole universe. Blade of grass, a snowflake. Even pain is so full of life. And it's also the most ordinary thing in the world. Your discontent, your sadness is the most ordinary thing. Most of you listening to this talk today are therapists. And so you know about suffering. And then sometimes we can step back from our work as therapists and remember that what we're giving attention to every day with every client is also so ordinary. What's terrifying is when we can't enter into our experience and all of the robotic mechanical and repetitive parts of the self can't soften and move into life just because life isn't matching our ideas our habitual software I don't know if a snowflake can show its feelings of joy or sadness I can't say But when I hold a snowflake and it melts, and another snowflake and it melts, maybe I'll even stick my tongue into the snow, which is what I did this morning when I was out walking, to taste the snow. Immediately it melts and becomes water, and the water becomes this whole body. And one day this whole body will dry up, and become brittle, and the water, which is who and what I am, will go back into the earth again. And likewise the same happens with everything I feel and think. Difficult and painful experiences we've had in our lives are not something to reject, or to deny. Each instance of difficulty can be medicine, can become art, Can be an opportunity for healing the wounds that are caused by forgetting who we are. What kind of heart is so open and alive and close, close to the ground and close to snowflakes, that no matter what we touch, no matter what we see, no matter what we hear, it's healing? Inhale, inhaling. Exhale, exhale. Taste, taste. Snow, snow. Look around the room you're in, and just look around the room. If your eyes are closed, open your eyes, and look around the room. Just look without knowing, with a view that is so broad that everything we encounter with our eyes in this moment is medicine. I'm not in the room you're in, but maybe in the room you're in there are certain areas of the room that don't match what you like aesthetically, maybe a color or a chair propped up a certain way. Maybe the style of floor, or maybe even your cushion, or what you're sitting on is not what you imagine you should be sitting on. Everything you encounter is medicine, given the right level of attentiveness. And how do you find that? Through repetition and discipline. every day sitting down again until you can walk around in sustained periods of time being nourished by your experience and not fighting with it so that your pain and the things you don't like can become like medicine and bring you back to life and this is the heart of this practice or the heart of our lives to take our attention from outside of ourselves to take our attention from outside of ourselves and bring it back, over and over again. And as we tend to what seem like obstacles carefully, we're no longer as seduced by them. They become the focus of our mindfulness and the vehicle for waking up. Agitation, excitement, distraction... Restlessness, worry, anxiety, scatteredness. Sometimes restlessness is so physical, we just want to jump out of our skin. And really, restlessness seems to arise at any time. Lately, I've been translating the word dukkha not so much as suffering, but as deep restlessness, pervasive Relentless restlessness. When I'm feeling restless, I don't usually sit right away. I usually run or walk. But no matter how quiet or open we are, the mind will always start obsessing about something. And sometimes it's not so obvious. There are subtle forms of restlessness. But when we notice them in the right way, they become medicine. Subtle restlessness is when we're not struggling and things are going well. And just for a moment, the mind slips off the object into a kind of half-noticed thought. So you're following the line of the inhale, long arc of the exhale. And right at the beginning of the exhale, right after that pause at the top of the inhale, the mind slips off the exhale into a fragment like a dream, or a half dream, or a quarter dream. And as the mind slips off, restlessness shows up. Even within the duration of a single breath, we can feel this. So the mind is not settled in the object, slips on, slips off. And of course, until we're fully enlightened and in the deepest states of concentration, restlessness is not fully uprooted. And for most of us, we'll be working with restlessness for the rest of our lives. Don't forget it's medicine worry, remorse, regret, these are all forms of restlessness, usually about past unskillful actions, or maybe even things we didn't do, or worrying about an imagined future. I don't have a cell phone, and people are always telling me I should get a cell phone so I can be in touch with what's happening with my son when he's away from me. Maybe during the day at school he'll go out on a field trip or skating or swimming and something might happen. And Today I had that worry about my son. I'm up here in a beautiful home in the quiet countryside and he's going skating with his class at school. and I don't have a cell phone, and so I can't be reached. And some part of me wonders, well, you know, for so many years people haven't had cell phones, and there's been times when they haven't been able to be reached. It's okay. And anyone who is close to someone else, which is all of you, can worry in this way. Well, I can take that thought, oh, is he safe skating, and really run with it until I'm not here anymore and I can't see the snow and I can't see the valley outside this window and I can't feel the temperature of the room or the way I'm becoming hungry. And instead, I'll just be caught in agitation and restlessness Grasping for a phone somewhere. And I guess we could say the same thing with our practice. Goals and aspirations are really important in practice. But if we get overly concerned with our practice, or where we are at in our practice, sometimes the practice itself and the meditation can become obsessive worry. Or concern. And it can be easy actually to fall into a kind of spiritual self absorption. Like maybe comparing your practice with other people. Oh, how are they walking? Are they walking slower or faster? How long are they sitting? The person in front of me is so still, and the person beside me seems so agitated. Bring your attention back to your experience in the present moment. Noticing worry, noticing projection, noticing restlessness. And the most basic cause of restlessness in our practice is an imbalance of energy, virya, and concentration, samadhi concentration and energy have to meet each other if there's too much energy and the container is not big enough the imbalances show up we need stillness and stability we all have a predilection for thinking thoughts are creative and helpful But really the domain of deep insight and wisdom and love is beyond the range of thought. Thought can never carry us over to the experience of very deep non-thought. Of course, thoughts can't get us there When I wake up in the morning, I've been here for five days, writing. And I agreed with myself that I wouldn't sit for five days. I wouldn't practice yoga for five days. If I needed a break, I would just go walking in the snow so that all of my energy can be focused on writing. And so sometimes we need to make these rules or this form to contain us. And in the, on the outside, you know, it sounds like some kind of discipline. But on the inside, it's freedom. And form and formlessness really work together in this way. The snowflake is a form. I can look at one at a time, falling outside the window. There's one, and another, and another. Or maybe in the room you're in, you can hear distant sounds. The form of the sound coming one after another after another. And yet, when we really enter the flow of sound, we forget about each particular sound. And the form gives way to formlessness. All day I sit at this desk and write, and when agitation shows up, I write about it, and when restlessness shows up, I write about it. And when it's time to go walk in the snow, I go walk in the snow. Again, look around the room. Just take a moment to look around the room. If your eyes are closed, open them. And again, just like earlier, look around the room without deciding about anything. It's so easy to just make up our minds over and over again. Staying with your breathing, breathing in and breathing out. Take your time with your whole body and with the friends around you and look deeply at yourself, the largest unhabituated self, not just your mind habits, but yourself as the whole universe. It's not just a linguistic game saying that yourself is the universe. But can you give attention to parts of yourself that are not just the habit parts? We have a nice sit. And then we have a difficult sit. I walk in the snow and it's light and the sky is clear to the west, and then the sky gets dark. We have a nice meal, and then we have a good time, and then a sleepy time, and then a hard time, and then a good time. I liked eating cake last night, but it doesn't mean I need to do it again today, and again and again. and this is clarity even what we experience as wrathful can be medicine nothing happens to us always nothing is occurring eternally how to open to the radiancy the illumination of time so that we're settled in time we're in sync we're not caught in the past and the future and then the entire world shows up in a snowflake in a moment of time Each thing in the entire world is a moment in time. You can't experience anything outside of a moment-to-moment flow. Each thing in the entire world is only a moment in time. And those moments are medicine. Use that insight in your practice. Can you enter a space where all that's ever existed and will ever exist is in this present moment, in time, in you? I've been obsessed with a poet named Philip Whalen, and I keep his poem here pinned to the wall beside the desk. Hopefully Pat isn't listening to this recording, because I forgot to ask her if I can pin something to the wall. Philip Whalen writes this. I can't live in this world and I refuse to kill myself or let you kill me. The dill plant lives, the airplane, my alarm clock, this ink. I won't go away. I shall be myself, free, a genius, an embarrassment, like the Indian, the buffalo, like Yellowstone National Park. I'll read it again. I can't live in this world, and I refuse to kill myself or let you kill me. The dill plant lives, the airplane, my alarm clock, this ink. I won't go away. I shall be myself, free, a genius, an embarrassment like the Indian, the buffalo, like Yellowstone National Park. I'm far away from Yellowstone National Park, as you probably are listening to this. But if you think of everything contained on Bathurst Street on Bloor Street, on Queen Street, if I think about everything contained in the forest that I'm looking out at, then I can be myself. A genius, an embarrassment. Yellowstone National Park. Think of the diversity of Yellowstone National Park, of Algonquin Park, of Tomogamy, of Labrador, of Cape Breton, of California, of you, the diversity that you call you, that moon in the river that you call yourself. The more you look at it, the more you'll find. It's whole and diverse at the same time and is dependent on the river, You are dependent on the river. You've had pain in your life and that pain forms parts of who you are. You've experienced connection and intimacy in your life. You've experienced love and also separation. You've experienced faith and also doubt Maybe you've experienced using another person and being used yourself. Maybe you've been a victim and a perpetrator. Maybe you've been a tree or a snowflake or a blade of grass. Maybe some parts of yourself are medicine and some parts you experience as poison. And then when we're quiet, And we open up to our experience. We are free to be who we are. We value ourselves. And then as Dogen so eloquently says, we study the self and then we can forget the self. Or as Philip Whelan says, I won't go away. I shall be myself free. In Philip's poem, there's an alarm clock, an ink, and a self, all of which are impermanent, and all of which are not going anywhere. Here there's a valley that's changing, and a house, and a table, and a chair, and they're not going anywhere. And just to recognize that you showed up today. You showed up to meditate with a group of people. You showed up to study. You showed up to community. You showed up to the life moving through your body and mind and heart. You showed up. That is discipline. That's the heart of this practice. You showed up today. You don't need to think right now about showing up next time. You don't need to think right now about times you haven't showed up. Just to recognize that you showed up today. And now you can show up for the room. Show up for one another. Show up for your whole life. Every part of your life. So that everything, everything becomes healing. Everything becomes medicine. Life and death are of supreme importance. Time passes swiftly and opportunity is lost. So it's time to wake up and not squander our lives. Thanks.